Well, good morning. Good to see you today. How's everybody? Yeah, good. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a little tired of tragedy. Aren't you tired of tragedy? Aren't you tired of seeing worldwide what's happening and it happens every day and, and we, we, we kind of think we're going to get through one and it's going to be over and uh, what happened on Bastille Day in, in Nice on the French Riviera was another reminder that we live in a, in a world that is literally out of control. I want to talk to you a little bit today um, from a political, geopolitical, spiritual standpoint. I want to hit a lot of things, but I want to move to a solution. I want to move to something that's going to give you hope and give you real tools to work with, okay? You know, what happened in France is a tragedy. There's no doubt about it. There is no way to even speak to that. And I, I think our heart is broken over that and over other occurrences worldwide that are happening. Uh, even, even, you know, probably today we're going to see more announcements of what's happened that's tragic in our world. In 1789, in July, there was a French Revolution. And what happened in that day, which is known as Bastille Day, it was a day where the French said, we've had enough of the king, and we've had enough of God. That's what Bastille Day celebrates. It's not the same as the American Revolution. It's a different kind of a revolution. Literally, France, through God, out. They closed the doors of churches. They said, we've had enough. And what happened over the next hundred years in France was quite different than what happened in America. What happened in France was most similar to what happened in Russia with the Russian Revolution where ideology of communism came in and pushed God out. And so in France, and we've been a frequent visitor of there, our family uh, reaches back to the 14th century of France. And it was because of the persecution of those Bible believers that our family fled France and went to Holland in the 1400s. And then in Holland, they went from Holland to America in the 1600s. But I want you to think about this. What really happened in, at the French Revolution when they stormed the gates of Bastille there and they said enough of God was they opened the door for the absence of God and the presence of chaos. You see, when God is not in your life, you open the door to chaos. Now, chaos is manageable in our life because we reason that everyone goes through difficulty, everyone has challenges in their life. And so we figure out how we manage crisis in our life. We manage difficulty in our life. But what God wants us to have is is a presence of his power and his peace in the middle of our chaos. It doesn't always stop all the chaos around us. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it, we thwart what the enemy is trying to do, and that's going to be the subject we're going to talk about today. But we're living in some unusual days. We're living in days of accelerated wickedness, days of acceleration, we're seeing fast-moving things happening in our world, and we're going, what is this world coming to? When you begin to hear people outside the community of faith saying, what is going on in our world, you know something is going on in our world. 
But I want you to know, too, we're living in days of accelerated move of the Spirit of God. I don't want you to stop for a moment and think that somehow the enemy is winning. Somehow darkness is prevailing. There is not, we don't believe in this dualism where we have evil and good and they're both trying to compete to win in this race. God has already triumphed over evil. The victory has already been won. We don't have to worry about that. There is going to be an acceleration of the Spirit of God, an acceleration of miracles in our day like you won't believe. You know, what's happened in the Middle East? You know, the Middle East was a Christian Middle East until the 6th century. And when Islam came into the Middle East, what happened was, little by little, Christians began to be less Christian. They began to stand less and less for their faith, and finally there was just a tidal wave of complacency in the Middle East as the, the followers of Allah would come in and they would overtake those cities and they would, they would announce a jihad against the infidel. But I want you to know that even in the middle of all of that, God had a plan because right now the most vibrant time in 1,400 years for Christianity in the Middle East is today. There are more believers right now standing up for their faith in the Middle East than ever have in the last 1,400 years because in the middle of difficulty and persecution, you know what we do? We move out of our complacency and we move into the presence of God. We began to have the faith that our fathers had we began to have the faith of the apostles. We began to understand what does it mean to stand for Jesus Christ and that Christianity is not a hobby that we just adopt into our life. Because what's happening in our world and, and, and in our nation is shifting, and there's a shifting in the spiritual climate. I want you to know there's a shift in the spiritual climate. You have to you realize this. You are a microclimate. You are a walking, talking microclimate. Everywhere you go, you can carry the presence of God or you can disregard the presence of God. You're a microclimate. And when you begin to understand that that little microclimate you have, when you move into an area, it begins to affect people. Begins to people begin to say, what's that? What are you talking about? And that little microclimate becomes a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. It's funny, I was, uh, this morning I was driving to work and I live up on the hill up there. And as I was coming down the hill, you can kind of get that perspective all around. And I was just praying, God, I just pray for an open heaven over our church. God, I just pray that the miracles will continue and God, the miracles will increase and people, more people will be saved and God, you'll just do great things. And, I, and then I looked up and there's this gray cloud that's literally in a circular fashion all the way around, and above it is all this blue cloud. I've got a couple of pictures on my phone. I'm driving. I don't know if that's legal. I'm driving, and I'm taking pictures of this because I just can't believe it. I even brought some people who were here for earlier for the prayer wall, and I said, let's go outside. I want you to see this. There literally was a circle. It was almost like God said, here's the circle. I've opened heaven up for you right here in this place, and I want you to know that God is shifting the spiritual climate, and there are supernatural miracles that are coming our way. We've already seen God do some amazing things. Things, I want you to know this is just the beginning of what God is going to do in our day. And you know, I, I really just, I don't have time for doubt. I don't have space in my life for doubt. I can't, I can't afford to entertain thoughts that don't come from him. Because when I do, it, it diminishes the faith that I have and what God wants to do in my life. So what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to encourage 
just embrace faith, embrace what God is doing, and see what the hand of God is up to. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We're going to have some of the verses up a little bit later, but I, I, I want to kind of go off the, off the notes if I can for a minute and just share with you some things that God showed me. Uh, because one of the things that's frustrating in all of our lives is when prayer is not answered. Amen? Anybody ever had an unanswered prayer? Right? Okay. Well, you know, how about an answered prayer? Anybody had an answered prayer? Amen, right? Well, may the answers come and may we pray for the right stuff. Amen? Because sometimes we pray for the wrong stuff and God says, you really want that? I'm going to give it to you and then you're going to be sorry. I mean, we went to our high school reunion, and, uh, and I, I saw my old girlfriend, and I just I began to sing that old, uh, that old Garth Brooks song, God, I thank you for an answered prayer. You know, I mean, I don't know what happened, what was thinking back in those days. But anyway, let me move on before I get in trouble here. All right, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia. Persia is present-day Iran. Now, imagine this. Daniel, a young man, probably 16 years of age, has been taken captive, put into this this evil capital by Cyrus, the king of Persia. And he's giving us an account so that we can chronologically date it. He said, He said, a message was received or revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Now, here's Daniel, young, probably 16 years old, one of the brightest of Israel. He's taken captive. He's put into this pagan capital in Persia under this evil king, and all of a sudden, God begins to download messages to him. God begins to speak to him. But he tells him something here. Notice what it says. He says, but the appointed time was long. He says, Daniel, there's an appointed time. There's something I'm going to show you, but it's not for today. It's for tomorrow. It's for an appointed time. Can I tell you right now that God has an appointed time for you? And it may not be this moment, but I guarantee you God has an appointed time for you. God is working out all things according to the power of his will, according to the working of his spirit. God is doing stuff in your life right now. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Hey, you know what we're called in the Bible? Believers. We're not called doubters. I've never seen so many Christians who are unbelievers. They say they believe in God, but they unbelieve everything God does. You can't walk in faith. You can't walk in faith and not believe what God said in his word is true. You cannot walk in faith and believe in God and not walk by faith expecting that God is going to do everything he's promised he would do in our world. Now look what it says here. In those days, that little phrase, Underline it in your Bible. That is a phrase that is a technical phrase in the Bible. It's referring to something that is not right there, but it's future. Those days, if you'll just study your Bible, just study that phrase, those days, every one of them points to the end of the age. He's giving us a message about the end of the age. I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat, no wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for those, until those three weeks were fulfilled. He's fasting. He's in what we call a Daniel fast. He's setting aside some pleasures in his life so that he can focus in on God. If you don't set aside some things that make you uncomfortable so you can focus on God, you'll never get all God wants for you. You know what I thought about fasting? Fasting is a heavenly thing. When Jesus' disciples were there and they were concerned, he said, he, he started talking about food and they thought they were, he was talking about physical food. He said, I'm full of a meat that you know not of. 
Now watch this. When you fast, you're doing a heavenly thing because in heaven you don't eat. Because you're so consumed with the presence of God, food becomes unimportant. When you fast, you're doing a heavenly thing. You're saying there's something more powerful, more sustaining than what I put in my mouth. Now some people say, well, I'm going to fast technology. You can do that all you want, but it's not going to have the same effect. It's just going to make you uncomfortable because you're, you're hooked. But it's not a heavenly thing. Remember, on earth as it is in heaven, what happens in heaven? We don't eat. We have food in heaven. We don't, we don't need it because we're in the presence of God. We have light in heaven, but it's not the sun, the moon, or the stars because the light is the glory of God. All right, now watch this. He said, on the 24th day of the first month, I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris. I lifted up my eyes and I looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen who was girded with the gold of Uphaz. Now, if you take and just make a reference, we're not going to look at it today, but if you'll make a reference and go to Revelation chapter 1, you're going to see the revelation is of Jesus, and it's almost identical to this revelation that's here. And what Daniel encountered in Daniel chapter 1 is what we call a theophany. A theophany is where we get our word theology, right? Theos, okay? And, and ophany there is the idea of an appearance. This is a God appearance in the Old Testament. This was Jesus, the Son of God, in his eternal state, appearing to Daniel right there. And look what it says about him. This is really interesting. It says he was girded with the gold of ephos. And the gold of ephos was this, was this gold that was, that was very different than other golds. In fact, if you study the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud, they, they identify seven different kinds of gold. They talk about good gold, pure gold, precious gold, purified gold, refined gold, red gold, but there is a gold that's different. It's the gold of Uphaz. And the one who wears and uses the gold of Uphaz is none other than the eternal Son of God. And his waist is, is wrapped in the gold of Uphaz. It literally means, this gold literally means flashes of fire. And I want you to know when you get into the presence of God, you're going to begin to feel the gold come upon you. You're going to begin to feel the flashes of gold come upon you. You're going to be more than gold-plated. You're going to be solid gold in the presence of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. Now look then. Now let's look what it says here. He said in, in verse 6, his body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes torches of fire, his arms and feet were burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. Imagine if that is your experience with God. That guy shows up in my house, I'm afraid. And Daniel was afraid. So fearful was Daniel in the presence of God that he fell to the ground as if he's dead. When he touches his shoulder, he wakes up, he's on his hands and knee, he's trembling. And this heavenly creature this heavenly being, this eternal son of God. It says here in verse 7, Daniel, I alone saw the vision, but there were men with me, and they fell in terror, not because they heard anything or saw anything. They fell in terror because they were in the presence of God. You know what the book of Hebrews says? It's a fearful thing to fall in the presence of, a, of an angry God. Have you ever thought about being in the presence of God? We, we've, we've so diminished the power and the authority of God that God is no longer feared by man. 
And yet the proverb says the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. God is to be feared. That's more than respect. I have to understand his authority. I have to understand his power. I have to understand that he, he created me to worship him. He didn't create me to worship me. He created me to give everything to him, not keep everything for me. That's who this God is. Well, look what, well, look what happens here. Verse 10, suddenly the hand touched me and I was trembling on my knees and on my palms. And then at verse 12, he said, he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, do not fear. Now, let's, I want you to see there's a revolution happening in heaven and on earth. There's a revolution. You know, you know what the, rev, you know, we talk about on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I'm going to give you the reverse of that. Do you know what happened in heaven that happens on earth in the negative Satan rebelled against God in heaven, and he brought it to earth, Revelation chapter 12. There was a war in heaven. Satan took a third of the, of the angels with him and brought rebellion to earth. When you see rebellion on earth, that revolution that Satan's trying to do, he's bringing from heaven what was thrown out of heaven on earth and disrupting earth. What God says, the reason Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. Hey, you know what I did in heaven? I cleaned out the rebellion. I put down the enemy. Now I'm giving you charge to put down the enemy and bring a revolution of good and life and hope and joy and power in the Holy Spirit of God. When the kingdom of God comes upon you, there will be joy and power and life, and I want you to know God is up to something. Let's look at Daniel chapter, 12, chapter 10, verse, uh, verse 12. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Guess what? There's a formula. You want a formula for prayer? Here it is. I'm going to set my heart to understand, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to be assured that God heard my prayer. But you know, Daniel had a problem. He prayed, and he didn't get an answer. There was a delay, and I'm going to show you what happens here. So if we think about prayer like this, let's try another one of those. All right. We think about prayer like this to God. We pray to God, and we say, God, we expect you to do something, right? God is going to work in our life, and then God says, I have an answer for you. And the answer comes, but sometimes the answer doesn't seem to come. There seems to be a delay. There's something blocking our, the response of God to our prayer. You, most of the times you assume that either you didn't pray hard enough or it wasn't God's will or something is just wrong. God doesn't like you or God's unhappy with you. But did you ever think that maybe it has to do with spiritual warfare? Now, let me show you this. He said, I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, modern-day Iran, withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, the glorious angel, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now, what's really interesting, if we put man down here, I look like a man? 
Got it? Okay. So man's down here, and he's praying, and he's saying, I want an answer. And, but what we understand is there is something called in the Bible the heavenlies. There we go. The heavenlies. And the heavenly places are, is, the, is the spiritual atmosphere that surrounds us. Now, we're going to show you that in just a moment, but I want you to begin to get an understanding here. The real battle that happens is in the heavenly places. We're on earth, we're trying to understand God, but God has this heavenly places where both good and evil angels are operating, and sometimes the evil angels hinder the answer to prayer, as in Daniel's case. So what we want to understand is, uh, through this process today, is how we can get a great biblical picture of what's going on, how we can break through and see God release the answers to prayers in our life, and as we can bind up the, the evil in our world. That's the goal today. You know, Francis Schaeffer was a, uh, was a, a Swiss uh, theologian, and he, he wrote about um, culture, and he wrote about art. He wanted us to understand that, that, that in history we can learn a lot. And one of the things that he wrote about was the Roman Empire. And I want to just give you a quote from him. He said, Rome did not fall because of external forces, such as an invasion by barbarians. Rome had not sufficient inward base. Now listen to this. It had not a sufficient inward base. The barbarians only completed the breakdown, and Rome gradually became a ruin. What is true of a nation is true of an individual. If you don't have a base, the end is already on the wall, so to speak. The nation, our nation, America, without a base, the handwriting is on the wall. You see, the spiritual and moral leadership of our country and of our world has become lost in a quagmire of political ineptitude and economic incompetence and a total ignoring of the spiritual dimension. The things that are happening today are only a result of the failures of yesterday. The things that you're experiencing today that are causing you setbacks and heartaches and problems are only a result of what you failed to build into your life yesterday. What God is doing is God is calling us back. A lot of people don't know that, that in, uh, in, the, in the 1730s and 40s when, when God began a first, the first great awakening in America, America was in a deplorable situation. It could have gone the way of France. But God, in his mercy, heard the prayers of people like you. And a nation was brought to its knees by the preaching of a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards who was almost blind, spoke in a monotone, and was said to be the most boring pastor and preacher on the entire East Coast, maybe the universe. He stood in front of his congregation, and he preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and he read from his manuscript. He was so blind that he held it up to his face. You couldn't even see him when he spoke, and he began to read, and when he began to read it, the Spirit of God ignited with the words that he said, and literally people fell into the floors when they, under the presence of the Spirit of God, awakening took across all of, all of that East Coast up through Princeton, and Princeton was founded. It was called the the log cabin, the log college uh, cabin, and it was, a, it was a theological training center, and so was Harvard, and so was Brown. All of those were birthed out of the revival that happened in the first great awakening in America. Don't think God can't do it again. 
God wants to do a fresh work in you. God wants to do a fresh work in our nation. You see, we are living in the last days. Let me show you what Daniel says in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, in the last days. For the vision, speaking prophetically, refers for days yet to come. Now, take your Bibles, turn them over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to show you just a couple of verses to kind of amplify what we've talked about up here. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in where? Heavenly places. You see, you're not battling man. Now, when we talk about days of acceleration, you know, I don't know if you watch the news and watch the, the attempted coup in Turkey. It's the fifth one in nine years. The reason that Turkey is significant in the Bible is because the ancient name for Turkey is Tagarma. Tagarma is mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38, and there's going to be nations that are going to come against Israel. Gog and Magog, which is Russia. Persia, which is Iran. Tagarma, which is Turkey. And right now, Turkey is poised to be an Islamic state. Remember, they're part of NATO. We're living in some very interesting times. Prophetically, we're living in interesting times. If you know your Bible, you know what's happening. It's just what prophetically was laid out. Gomer is the ancient name for Germany. Germany has a tight alignment with Iran. It was a German ambassador that suggested that Persia change their name from uh, Persia to Iran because Iran means Aryan because the Persians are not Arabs. They're actually Aryan race, and they were anti-Semitic. That's why the best-selling book in Iran today is Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. You see, you got to realize there's an evil empire that is existing, and it's not on earth. It's only manifest on earth, but it's really in the heavenlies. That's why when Daniel said, when we read in Daniel that he was, Michael was contained with the prince of Persia, it wasn't a physical prince, it was a spiritual host of wickedness that, that, that Paul refers to here in chapter 6 and verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, write this reference down. Now, when you come to, 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 the, to, to church like this, you need to come prepared with your Bible and with your notes. You will not remember 90% of what I say. And that's not because only 10% of what I say is good. Our mind just can't do that, right? But you've got to get these scriptures down because what happens if your world turns upside down tomorrow and you say, I wish I knew what that message was all about? I wish I'd have listened. What if Bastille Day tragedy comes to Anaheim? What are you going to do? How are you going to view life? How are you going to stand in the presence? Jeremiah, when he spoke to, his, uh, to the people of his day, he said, if you have run with men and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you fall down, how will you do in the jungles of the Jordan? What are you going to do when things really get tough in your life? How are you going to, you say, I wish I knew how to pray. I wish I knew how to, to bring the power of God, and I wish I knew how to get confidence. I knew, wish I knew my Bible. I have people all the time saying, I wish I knew my Bible as well as you do. I say, no, you don't, because you're not reading it. There's no wishing into the Word of God. 
You just read it, study it, memorize it, love it, embrace it, eat it. Jeremiah said thy words were like, they were like, they were like bread to my mouth. They were like fire in my stomach. I did eat them. That's why the psalmist said, I have sought your words more than my necessary food. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The flower fades, the, the grass withers, but the word of God, it abides forever. Thy word, O Lord, is hidden in the heavens forever and ever. You know, the word of God doesn't stop being applicable once we go to heaven. It's just as applicable there. It's fixed in the heavens. It is eternal. You will always live by the word of God. There's only two things that last forever, the word of God and the souls of men. And you better be investing in both because your future demands it. Let me show you what's happening here. What we're seeing in, a, in America and around the world, I believe, is an outbreak of evil because of the failure on the part of believers. I believe that. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian novelist, who was put in the gulags, the Russian gulags, because of his, because of his belief and in, in his stand against communism. He said, if only there were evil people somewhere that we could identify and we could put in some place. But he said, evil runs through all of us, and you have to put it down by the cross. On July 7, 2016, a murderous act was perpetrated against the Dallas police. What makes it interesting is the location. Some people kind of began to put this together but didn't, couldn't see the spiritual dimension to it. The location was in the proximity of where John F. Kennedy was assassinated. That was just in the proximity. It was three-tenths of a mile from where JFK was shot. If you look at this map here, you can walk it in five minutes. Right there at Lamar and Main Street, was where the shooter was during, the, during the, the protest march. The grassy knoll is to your left where JFK was. You notice what's in between the two is the Dallas County Courthouse. In the middle of the standard of law in that part of the world, two great acts of lawlessness were committed. The other thing that makes it interesting is that the, the motor uh, pool route that JFK took was almost identical as the one the protesters took. The protesters never filed for a, an application for a right to protest. Supposedly, no one knew where they were going. What I believe was happening there, I believe there are demonic spirits in our world that we can bind by prayer and by the presence of God. I believe they're geographically located, they're territorial, and I believe they never leave their geography. They're only bound or unbound. When we bind them, we put them in restraint. When we stop binding, when we let our guard down, when we stop praying, when we stop interacting in the spiritual realm, they're free to roam, and they do the same kind of acts that they did before. I could show you probably 10 examples of that worldwide. This is just one to illustrate a point. You see... What we have to be concerned about is in our own life, what, what's the evidence of spiritual decline in our life? 
If you can't say right now, I'm closer to God than I've ever been, I'm more fired up for God than I've ever been before, then it's time today to make a shift, amen? A shift for your good. See, I won't know if you make that shift. You'll know it and God will know it. I won't know it. No one around you may, may not know it. But you need to be prepared, and as your pastor, I want to prepare you for that. Let me show you something. Here's some evidence of spiritual decline, some things I wrote down. When we substitute human goodness for the new birth, we look around and say, well, they're a good person, but are they born again? I hear people say, well, you know, that person over there, they're a good person. In fact, they're better than most Christians I know. Maybe most Christians you know aren't Christians. Let's call it for what it is. Can all of God come in you, you not be different? Can you not be transformed by the power of Almighty God? That God we read about in Daniel chapter 10 that, that stood before him there with the gold of Uphaz and the flaming feet and the, and the fire and the power and the linen, that God can get in you and you can be exactly the same as you were before? Evidence of decline is when we admire radical Christians, but we refuse to be one. And they're really sold out for God, but not me. When you compare yourself to others rather than compare yourself to Jesus, it's evidence of spiritual decline. So, what if you're better than me? I'm never the standard, I never can be your standard. You got one standard. His name is Jesus. Amen? It's just got to all be about Jesus. When you put personal preferences before service to God, I mean, we're all busy, right? Friday morning, I was, uh, I was so excited because it's supposed to be my day off. It never really happens, but it's supposed to be my day off. And I was sitting there, and I was getting ready to write on my book and, and uh, to pray and work on my sermon a little bit. And and then uh, we're doing some more remodeling up here, and, and I got a call, hey, can you come up? I need some answers. And, you know, what, what I thought was going to be 20 minutes turned into three hours. That's okay. It's okay. Because, you know, I, I knew that ultimately this place is about the kingdom. I told my wife the other day, I said, I feel like my Bible. Let me show you my Bible. I think I need an upgrade, amen? My Bible just covered, just fell off of it, amen? And I just feel like sometimes, I just feel like my cover fell off my life once in a while, you know, God? And he goes, that's okay, you don't need that cover. See, the cover's not important. What's important is what's inside. Amen? You get all excited about the cover. You got to get a leather one. I don't care about leather. You got to get a good one. I don't care about good. I care about what's on the inside. I got to keep moving here. When you live by reason and not by revelation, it's evidence of spiritual decline. You'll do that in your giving. See, I can't afford to give. It's not yours. Since when was it yours? That's reason. I started on a journey about six, nine months ago, my wife and I. Um, I just said, I just want to give more than we've ever given. I want to just completely blow up the idea of a tithe. 
And I've never been more blessed in my life than we are right now. I don't even know how to explain it. See, because if I operate by reason, it doesn't make sense. I have to operate by revelation. Your giving should never be by reason. It should always be by revelation. What is God saying? What is God telling you to do? The strong man can be bound. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10, verse 19. Then again, the one having the likeness of man touched me, strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Hey, God's word to you today is don't be fearful when you read the headlines. Be strong. Be strong. You know, I love that, that book of Nehemiah because Nehemiah, they had, they had a sword in one hand and they had a shovel or a tool in the other hand. You know what they said? They said, we're going to fight. When the enemy comes, we're going to stab him. Amen? But we're going to keep building the wall. See, you got to keep doing what God's called you to do, but you got to realize you're in a spiritual battle all the time. And he says here, now be strong. So he spoke to me, and I was strengthened. He said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And he said, do you know why I have come to you? Do you know why God has this message for you? That's what you need to seek from God in Revelation. God, why is this message important to me? What are you saying to me, God? And now he said, now this, this angel says, now I must return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece. Oh, there's a principality and power over Greece. Yes, and there's one over Russia, and there's one over America, and there's one over every nation of the world. But I tell you, what is noted in Scripture of truth, no one upholds uh, uh, me against these except Michael, your prince. You know you have a prince. You know you have an angel. You have somebody that's on your side all the time. I'm a little fearful. Don't worry. Hey, God, where are those angels? I need a couple of angels. I need a couple of big, ugly ones. I mean, I need something right now, God, because things are going south in my life, and I need you. Amen? Amen? Don't worry. You say, you know, and by the way, I don't know if you know this, but guardian angels can only fly 65 miles an hour. So drive the speed limit, amen? Okay, let's go on here. All right, Luke chapter 11. We got a lot to cover here in one minute. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast forward past Luke 11. When the strong man is bound, you are free. I want you to go to freedom with me for a moment. You're free to do what God wants you to do. That's what freedom is. When, you're, when the strong man is bound in your life, you have a peace that passes understanding. When the strong man is bound, you have a joy that cannot be understood by others around you. When the strong man is bound, you have love that awakens the soul. When the strong man is bound, you have a confidence that passes all understanding and all comprehension. When, when the strong man is bound, you have a spiritual fortitude that resists hell. When, you, when the strong man is bound in your life, you have an authority that sends devils running. When, you, when the strong man is bound, you have a faith that moves mountains. You can ask anything in his name, and he will respond to you. Are you ready to move some stuff? out of your life and to move into the presence of Almighty God, amen? Are you ready to get free from stuff that you've been bound up in in the past? I think we are. I think every one of us, you know, we may not know how to put it in words, but we say, man, if I could just get that out of my life, if I could just have freedom there, if I could just know the peace of God that passes understanding throughout my day, wow, that would be the greatest gift I could ever have in my life, Amen. I want you to stand with me right now. Just stand with me, and I'm going to have our, have our, our band play in the background here. And, as, and as, I, as I pray, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you right now, and I'm going to ask you to come here to the front, okay, in just a moment. But I want you to think about this. I want you to say, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, reveal to me right now what's the one thing that's keeping me 
that's distracting me, that's discouraging me, that's defeating me? What's the one thing right now in my life? And just ask him to reveal it to you. It'll probably be the first thing he shows you, just right now. You just got it. God just showed you something. You got it? Got it in your heart right now? Just hold it right there for a moment. Let's assume for a moment that was Satan's strategy to distract you and defeat you and to keep you from joy and power in the Holy Spirit. What if we could remove that? What if we could bind that strong man in your life and in its place we'd have the presence, the sweetness of God in the place of what that was? Wouldn't that feel good? Would that be enriching to you? Can we play? I want you to take that thing that God showed you right now. I want you to just hold your hand out in front of you. Say, here it is, God. Just hold it out in front of you. Just hold your hand out symbolically. Here it is, God. I hold it out in front of you. I give it to you, God. I'm going to ask you to come here to the front this morning. I'm going to ask you to just come with hands wide open, just offering that to God. And I'm going to show you here in the next couple of minutes how you get a full release of that. So just come right now. Just come quickly. Come to the front. We don't have time to wait. Just jam in here close. Be tight. Hold your hand in front of you. Here it is, God. I'm offering it to you right now, God. I give it to you right now, God. I've got it in my hand. Now I'm going to give you a formula. I'm going to give you a method right now of binding up those strongholds in your life, those strong men. Just ram in here. We got all this space in the front. Just ram in here. Get in here tight, people. Just get in tight. It's no time to be polite. Just ram in here. All right? Okay, now hold it in front of you. Got it? Got it in front of you right now? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat after me as a group. I am a child of God. I have the authority of Jesus. I speak to you problem. I speak to you spirit. And I cast you away from me. Into the hands of Jesus. I place the cross between me and that problem between me and that spirit, and I ask you, God, fill me with your spirit. Fill me completely. Set me free. I am a child of God, and I am more than a conqueror. And we bind the strong man over Orange County, and we say, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just let's just worship right now for a moment as the band plays. Just, just worship him where you are right now. Just thank him for the victory you won today. You say, I don't feel like I have victory. You don't feel it. You faith it. You walk by faith, not by sight. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The Spirit of God is moving in you, powerfully through you. Because you are a child of the living God, created in the image of God. You are a new creation. You are a royal diadem. You are, you are more than a conqueror because Christ has conquered. Give him praise and give him glory, would you? 
Would you just give him glory? Give him glory. Praise the Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory, God. We thank you for who you are. You are the mighty God, and you are lifted up. We welcome you in this place, Holy Spirit. We welcome your presence in this place, God. We give you glory. We give you praise. Amen. Just let's just just let just let the Spirit of God just worship here in the middle. Just He's worshiping with us right now. We welcome you, Spirit of God. We welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit of God. We welcome you, Spirit of God. God is with us. God, we give you praise. stand again. Thank you, God, for your power. Thank you for your anointing over this church. If our God is for us, who could ever stop us? God, if our God is with us, God, walk it stand again. Just listen to the hum of the of the of the instruments and the hum and just just prophetically just let the voice of the Lord come forth just quietly just just fall into his presence just acknowledge his presence right now God your presence is here powerfully moving in us Fathers, we come before you today and we we bring this time to a close. We don't bring this session to a close. The session with God is, is active and viable throughout our day and throughout our life. May you be the church. May you be powerful. May you, may you see the world through the eyes of Jesus. May you acknowledge him in all that you do. May you influence your world for Jesus Christ, for the glory of Almighty God. Amen. Hey, if you receive this today, would you just say amen? Amen. Hey, God bless you guys. We love you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, okay?